Hey guys, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing line that proceeds of the shirts and tanks and everything else goes to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. So um, this all came about with me and seeing a five-year-old girl in the emergency department uh, that had a new onset of diabetes. So uh, just take a look at the website. It's www type1lifting.com so just check it out if you don't buy anything that's perfectly fine uh, I would just like for you just to take a look and just see what we have so like I said before www.type1lifting.com and guys I hope you enjoy the show everybody welcome to another episode of the type 1 lifting podcast i have a great um guest he is a type 1 diabetic a personal trainer his name's devin kirk how's everything going man i'm doing good how are you tom good no complaints so um i typically ask my guests that are diabetics when when like when do they first get become a diabetic so i was diagnosed it was officially march 3rd 2016 so a little bit later in life i was 24 years old which, you know, I mean, you were, what, 35, right? So yeah. not uncommon, but given my, you know, fitness levels, everything, they were very confused. Um, you know, a few weeks prior, I started losing weight. I think at my lowest, I probably lost about 25 or 30 pounds mm -hmm. in two and a half, three weeks. I was drinking about two to three gallons of water a day, Damn. going to the bathroom and all, you know, every single sign um, you know, finally I was like, I need to make a doctor's appointment. I made a doctor's appointment for that day. I went in, the doctor looked at me, they said, okay, go take some blood work and we'll call you back tomorrow. Tomorrow showed up and they could, doctor called me and she goes, go to the ER right now. My glucose levels were over 900. And, Jeez. uh, <laughs> so I was like, okay. I, you know, I was nonchalant about it. I called my dad. Hey, dad, I'm going to the ER right now. Meet me there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is the funny part of the story just because you always have to have a funny part. I drove to the hospital. I go into the ER. I said, my doctor just called. Uh, you're waiting for me, right? They go, we have nothing on you. I'm like, <laughs> huh? So I called my doctor. I said, which hospital again? I drove to the wrong hospital. So I then <laughs> drove then to the right hospital I was in the waiting room for a few minutes. They finally called me in. They checked my blood sugar on a regular uh, meter, and it just showed up critically high. And they go, go to a room right now. Wow. And I went into a room. They pumped me with a bunch of insulin. I spent one night in the hospital, talked to the diabetes educator and my endocrinologist, and they let me out the next day. So they were very confused of 24 years old, too old for type one but my lifestyle did not say type two yeah so they were very borderline but it sure enough they came back type one and you know four and a half years later here i am yeah so i've, I've never been in an icu admitted to an icu because of diabetes like when i the highest number i had was 390 and they were like are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm perfectly fine i was actually my pre-employment screening to the hospital i was working at and i was like yeah i'm fine don't worry about it she's like well <laughs> Just talk to your endocrinologist, talk to an endocrinologist, or just like, or just let me know what your fasting glucose was, and 
I mean, those two numbers, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. But it's like, it's so interesting that a lot of other people go to like the ICU or, or they just don't. So. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, you know, kind of a blessing that I did say when I, I need to go to the doctor now when I did, cause you know, who knows a few more days and I might not be where I am today is, you know, is, uh, as bad as that sounds, but with glucose levels over 900 for weeks, I think my A1C was 12.1. Wow. Which, you know, I think I looked up and it's an average blood glucose of 299. <laughs> so I, I, I was like, wow, I guess I'm a, I'm a lucky one. Every person, every type one I tell that I was over 900, they're just in shock. Kind yeah. of your reaction too. So yeah, yeah, no. And that was it. And I think that I was, I was in on a Thursday. I went to work on a Friday. I was back in the gym on Saturday and I, you know, from day, literally day two, I guess you can say that it never stopped me. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, so that, that's, that's been my outlook ever since. Yeah. So like when you got diagnosed, what was your initial thought of becoming a diabetic? It could be worse. And that was kind of the initial reaction was it's manageable and even being in fitness for most of my life, I really never had any interactions with people with diabetes. So mm. this was all new to me. My mom's cousin's daughter is a type one for 40 something years. And, you know, that's all I heard was, oh, geez, she has diabetes, but I never really put two and two together. So just, okay, this is a new lifestyle. And I remember being in the hospital, just Googling differences between type one and type two, because I didn't know mm-hmm. at the time. And sure enough, it was just type one and I kind of made it my lifestyle then. Um, but it, it didn't, it didn't hit until a few days, I think of then realizing like, I'm never gonna completely feel normal ever again. Yeah. And that's when it kind of hit being in the hospital, looking at myself and just saying, this is my new life. And how do I go from here? Yeah. So how, how were you managing it? Like in your initial stage, like, did you talk to like, do you go immediately to the endocrinologist after the ICU or like, did you get like a proper teaching in the hospital? What was, what was the uh, teaching like? I got, I got a proper teaching in the hospital from a diabetes educator. It was, you know, it was helpful. And I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm grateful that I was 24 years old when I got it, but I was able to understand these understand these things for myself, (laughs) being able to give myself insulin and check my blood sugars and put in my meters, everything that I was able to do it on my own. So I talked to the diabetes educator by myself. She talked to me for maybe 30 minutes, kind of gave me the rundown on things and said, okay, good luck. Call us if you have any questions. (laughs) 30 minutes. Um, uh, I think it was about 30 minutes or maybe 30 to 45 minutes. It, It was all a big blur to me and it went so fast. And I know I had some nurses in the, uh, I was, when I was in the hospital and her brother was a diabetic and she was giving me advice. So I had some help throughout the day, which was good. But then I think I talked to my endocrinologist. I made an appointment, you know, one or two weeks later and just kind of been managing it ever since. Okay. So it, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was good though talking to the diabetes educator because definitely not having any idea of what to do was good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, Google, Google, Google can only, can do, only so do so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for, for for me, like without since I was in the medical field, 
I kind of knew a little bit about diabetes, but like I was kind of naive to it. But until I got it, it was like a, like when I went to the endocrinologist, I was just like, the hell, what the hell am I doing here? And then like, he was asking me like, are you afraid of shots or anything like that? I'm like, well, no, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. And he's like, well, just twist this, just prick yourself. And, and there you go. And I was just like, okay. And he's, he gave me, he gave me a piece of paper with like the numbers. Like if you're, if your blood sugar is this high, take these, these amount of units. If it's this high, take these. I'm like, okay all right but yeah i remember i think i checked my prescription box for my novolog and it said take eight units at meal times so no matter what i did i think for the first two weeks i always took eight <laughs> units and i was like why is my blood sugar dropping now and then he goes yeah no you know you need a carb count i said no one told me that yeah he goes oh for you know x amount of carbs you take this i was like well that makes life a whole lot easier mm-hmm and I think he was like, yeah, try to stick to meals to 45 grams of carbs and eight units. Okay. And it was completely off. So, <laughs> you know, as, as the weeks and months went by, you know, it, it became a lot easier and you learned a lot more. And I think I saw the endocrinologist maybe three times that year and each time learning more stuff and my parents learning more. So that was a big benefit as well. Yeah. So that's to your, to your parents. So what were their initial thoughts to, is, um, with you getting diabetes and how did they handle that situation? They handled it. I'll say, well, um, it was never a panic. My dad is a retired police officer. So having him being medical field, he was also on uh, the ambulance corps. Mm-hmm. So having him being there and him, always being that calm one, I'll say. He was very calm, cool, and collected about it. And we have a very positive outlook where, you know, it's manageable. It's not life-threatening yeah. in a sense. I mean, it is, but not to the extent of other worse things. So they they were positive about it. it it's tough, especially hearing one of your kids just, uh, just you know, got diabetes. So mm-hmm. it, it's tough for them. But they're big. They've been a big help. They're always there. Oh, do you have enough food? Or if we're going out, do you need something? Do you need food? Do you need an apple juice? Something. So they're always there, helping me and supporting me. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So when uh, when you started like later on, you started like with learning more and more about diabetes. So when did you start getting into the social media and started following like diabetics? And have you did you ask questions at all about diabetes at all, or just kind of watch look to the posts? Um, so actually the gym I was going to at the time, one of the trainers was a type one. So the day after I got to the hospital, he was actually the first person I saw when I walked in. I remember saying, I said, guess what? I'm like you now. And he was confused. I said, I just diagnosed with diabetes and he's like mind blown also. So he was a bad trainer was a big help at the time. And, you know, just, he, I think he was diagnosed for 30 something years or 20 something years. So a long time. Yeah. So he had a lot of knowledge and being of similar backgrounds of being into fitness and lifting and everything. He was really helpful. Um, but I think I started following some social media pages probably the day I was in the hospital. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there bored on my phone. TV was horrible. People screaming all night and yelling. Yeah. So I was up all night and I was just Googling and Instagramming things. So yeah, probably that night, I started following some Instagram pages and then, you know, just as time progressed on and learning a little bit more is with experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like how, when I, when I first got diagnosed, I started following some like 
diabetic pages or people and I would throw them questions because I didn't know what to do next or like if something happened. So I was like, all right, you know, I need to talk to this person. Maybe they'll like, they'll have this, they have an idea of what happens. And like everyone, everyone that I've talked to about diabetes has been like a huge help to me when I first became a diabetic. I mean, even still, like I always talk about my Dex, I just got a Dex, uh, Dexcom and I was like, all right, where the hell do I put this? The back of my arm, my belly, or my ass? And so they're like, do your ass, do your ass. I'm telling you, it's good, it's okay. Don't do your arm or your belly, you're gonna, it's going to slip off. And I'm like, all right, I'll try that. I mean, it, work, it works, so I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the diabetic community is just always so helpful. And being you know four and a half years in, every person that I've talked to that has diabetes is just super friendly and super helpful. I feel like, you know, there's there's no better community mm-hmm. in a way because we all know what we're going through. So that that's the cool thing about it all. You know, you could say it's, you yeah. know each other's struggles and you know, you might be happy on the outside, but you don't know what you're dealing with on the inside. So let's be happy and be helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to get through it. And you can get through it together. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that like, for some of them, like I'm not obviously I don't name names or but like but some of them I think they it's just like it's all about it's them it's like diabetes is them you know like they type in type one diabetic on their arm or like their wrist or something like that I mean I was thinking about doing that just for like a medical bracelet type of deal but I mean I didn't do it because I'm 40 now and I don't think anybody when they become 40 should be getting new tattoos at all so that's just my opinion. Oh, don't- don't be saying that. You should always be getting new tattoos. <laughs> well, I don't have any, so. But, I mean, <laughs> the listeners out there, I have eight tattoos, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I I think it's just they just try too hard a little bit. Well, like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think because I, I do have tattoos myself, and I actually Well, not about tattoos my... or anything like that, but just, oh, like, just oh, in general. Yeah. It's it can go either way, you know. It's you don't want to let diabetes define you, and when you say a specific name, you don't want the first thing to come out just being diabetes. Yeah, I think you know you want the first thing to say, Tom, helpful, friendly, in shape, really great power clean. Mm-hmm. Not what's your first initial thought of Tom? It's diabetes. So yeah. you want to let it just kind of subtly be there and know that you're always there to help, but on top of that, just always being helpful mm-hmm. yeah awesome. and, friendly, and friendly yeah yeah i mean the, the only the, when i when i met you was me because you bought one of my ex i think either you or your is a girlfriend or fiance or uh my girlfriend girlfriend she bought she bought a shirt and a pair of sweatpants for you for christmas and that's how i that's how i found met you and you know we've been like pinning each other up like all the time just you know yeah that, i think that's what almost two years ago now yeah so I think I might have even followed you prior to that, but she was the one, and you know, I have to give my girlfriend a shout out. She's been super helpful, helpful through all this, also, yeah, um, and super supportive. So she didn't pay me to say that too, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know, yeah. So one thing when went to another, and here we are. Yeah. So when you uh, how long how long have you been dating your girlfriend right now? I've been with her for two and a half years. So. When you started dating her, like, how did the conversation of you being a diabetic and how did she react and, you know, what was it like in the first beginning Uh, stages? She just had a lot of questions because she never had really experience with it either. And, you know, it was, hey, I 
shouldn't be eating a lot of this and I shouldn't be eating a lot of that. But if I do eat this, I need to count how many carbs I'm having and dial this pen and stab myself. Mm. And she was pretty mind blown about it. And she was fascinated. Uh, She has a culinary background. So she enjoys cooking and baking, which is also very dangerous because (laughs) she's really good at it. So I didn't want to, you know, say, hey, I can't eat that. It was just a little bit of an adjustment saying, okay, I need to cut back a little bit on this. And my blood sugars have been bad. My blood sugar has been good. This affects my blood sugar. And yeah, she became very fascinated. Yeah. And she still helps me today. Um, I just got an Omnipod. Okay. So she's helped. She's helped. She's like, I want to fill it up. I want to, uh, I want to, you know, stick it on. Can I press the button to let it go? And, you know, she's fascinated with it. Yeah. She's always willing to help. Yeah. I actually think, cause I got what the glucagon pen mm-hmm. in case of passing out. I think she was actually the first person to actually read the instructions on it. And she goes, well, if you pass out, someone needs to know how to do it. You just can't do it on the fly. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of the initiative that she took. Yeah. So, and I just got, I just got the new one that goes up your nose. So she's a little upset oh. that she couldn't stab me. Yeah. It's a nasal spray. So instead of an, an injection, it's just like a quick shot up the nose and it pops you up apparently. So is it a quicker absorption rate or what's the, I think so. And I think because it's not a liquid, it's a, uh, like an aerosol almost. Oh, yeah. Okay. So instead of having to, you know, get the vial out, get the syringe, dial up the syringe and stab, it's just nose pressed on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know about that. So uh, so with your girlfriend, when you when you, um, you told her, is she was she always fascinated in trying to like stab you with the pen or whatnot and like inject the insulin in you? Oh, yeah. She's yeah. done it a few times yeah. just because she's, she's also, you know, interested about that and wants to help just in case. I'm, you know, sleeping and I have high blood sugar and she, you know, stabs me. There have been multiple times, more times than I can count that my Dexcom has gone off in the middle of the night for low blood sugar and she's come out to the kitchen and got me an apple juice and waking me up and says, drink this, come on, let's go, don't pass out on me right now. <laughs> so Yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah, <laughs> my So my wife, the only time that we, she actually injects insulin in me is if i'm driving if we're going on a road trip and something happens where like i'm like i literally just like i tell him like hey just turn turn the knob to like three or whatever whatever number and i lift my shoulder up like my my right arm and i'm like just go for it and then she just like injects it in and that's it that's it she really she's like can i can i stab you on this one i was like sure go for it you know whatever so i feel like if you don't have to do it yourself like if you know, your wife or my girlfriend, they don't have to give themselves injections. They're fascinated with it. But then we get to it and we just dread it. We're like, oh, here we go again. Like, yeah, time to check, check my blood, how many grams of carbs. You know, we, we get sick of it. But if it's a once in a while thing for them, they're just fascinated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, my, my five-year-old son doesn't like doesn't even want to watch me actually do it. He thinks it's like he gets grossed out. He's like, oh, that's great. I, uh, I can't watch that. And he's like, daddy, you're done? And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. So it takes five seconds. Don't worry. No, it's, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, with my kids, I am kind of worried if they become diabetics too, but I've heard like my wife was reading the stats and it was like a very, very slim chance. They, I mean, knock on wood, like they, they may get it. So yeah, exactly. So, um, because 
after I got I got it at like thirty four a month before my thirty fifth birthday, they said it's like a lot like it's less likely for them to get it. So. So that that's definitely you know you can say a positive. Yeah. I I think that's my I'll say one of my biggest fears is having you know for the day I do have kids is having one of them get it and especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. Getting it at 24, I was able to live my childhood yeah. and co- go to college without having to worry. So I think seeing, you know, seeing two-year-olds and three-year-olds with diabetes, it, it's tough to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I so agree. I think that you know, you can almost, you know, you have to be fearful for yeah. them also. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, my my neighbor down the street, he actually got diagnosed with diabetes at a later age, and his five-year-old son, like he's in the same class as my son. He be, he became a diabetic a year before he went into pre uh, to kindergarten. So he has to wear like a Dexacom, and he has to like for certain sports he has to wrap it up and like swim lessons. He has to put like Coban around it just to keep it in because they put it in the back of his arm. So because okay. like most of these kids like they're so they're so skinny. There's like no fat or anything to put it in. So they're like I guess the back yeah. of the arm has to go. So. And, so and then like, they're clumsy and yeah. they forget about it and they knock it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my my son's like, oh, Knox has got diabetes, and I was like, yeah, I, I know he does. And so he's like, his monitor was going off like all the time, all day, and I'm like, yeah, that's what mine does too, once in a while. So <laughs> you're like, I, I know he's struggling. He, he knows mine. Yeah. Have, so have you ever gotten burnout from diabetes at all, or? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah there have been days where it's been tough for sure, especially probably the last seven months um, due to COVID and being, you know, shut down. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever gotten a burnout just because it still has only been four and a half years, which I'll be 29 next month. It's not that long of my time mm-hmm. alive. So I don't think it's really burnt me out just yet. Ask me that question in five more years, and I'll probably say yes. So I don't think, you know, I've never really just stopped caring because mm-hmm. I am very self-conscious of my numbers. Um, I get mad at myself if I have high blood sugar. I know I shouldn't, but if my Dexcom's going off and it's staying high consistently, I just get mad at myself. I mean, I guess you consider that burnout, but I've never just stopped. Mm-hmm. Because I know the long-lasting effects of high blood sugar. Yeah, yeah, no, no bueno. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so I do want to talk to you about personal training. So, when did you start? Uh, when, when did you actually become a uh, personal trainer? So, also, the ironic part of this is I became a personal trainer on I think it was February twenty fourth, two thousand sixteen. Ten days before I was in the hospital. <laughs> So I took my PT test with all of my symptoms, and I still passed. Wow. So, so uh, I remember you know, taking a test and not being able to see the computer screen mm-hmm. and asking the guys, like, hey, can I wear my glasses? Because I need glasses for night driving. And he's like, yeah, sure. And I needed it for two feet away when normally I wouldn't. So I became a personal trainer. I got certified uh, end of February went in the hospital and then I didn't really apply to any jobs for a little while just because I, you know, had a lifestyle change and I said, I need to figure this out before I pursue a new career in something that I am not used to. So I took the test, passed. Um, 
I had my first interview with actually my current job in June of 2016. So it was about what, two, three months after getting out of the hospital. And I started there in October 2016, and I've been with them ever since. Nice. With the, with the same company. Very cool. Very cool. So I was, I was in the fitness pretty much my entire life. I played sports at elementary school, middle school, high school. I was a four-year athlete in college. I was on the club rowing team. So, you know, don't, don't knock club teams. Oh, we no. work hard. We work, we work harder than any team at that school. We were self-funded. So we were working after practice, trying to raise money for us. We had, you know, 11 workouts a week. It was, you know, hardest sport I've ever done. Yeah. So, but I did that. And then I have a degree in communications so I got into marketing and I realized that I hated sitting at a desk and uh, it was a mutual. They let me go. I left. And one of my mom's friends was the head of group fitness at the gym I was going to. And she said, Devin, you know, you'd be a great personal trainer. And then I kind of gave it some thought and I was back up at my, at my college for a, an alumni rowing event. And one of the coaches, one of my assistant coaches asked me, he's like, you know, Devin, you'd be a, you'd be a good personal trainer. I was like, you're the second person to say that to me. I guess I'll take a look into this. A uh, few months later, you know, passed the test and that was it. Nice. Um, nice. So having a sports sports and athletic background definitely helped. And then been doing it ever since. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of type of like, like exercises do you like to do? You like doing the functional fitness, like the bro splits or – like what's your, what's your favorite st- methods of training? Uh, I'm all over the place to be honest with you. One week, um, hey, let's get huge and shredded. I want to be big and do a bro split. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, um, I want to do performance training, kind of get into a little bit more CrossFit, some more, you know, endurance intensity type stuff. Then I'm back to the bro split, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna start doing power cleans this week. Um, so, you know, my training the past few months has been kind of all over the place just because gyms were shut down from march until september so it was kind of thrown all over the place probably next few months i'll really fine-tune my my training and probably go a little more of the hybrid route Mm -hmm. to where it's still performance-based but still want to look good i'm not training for anything in particular right now there's no sports there's you know, no, no events coming up, so I don't really have anything to train for. Yeah, just trying to look good for but the I, beach, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the reason we all started working out in the first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when when COVID hit, and you know your gym got closed down, so how did you manage to kind of like stay afloat, or like do your personal training like online, or what were the methods you were trying to? you know, keep afloat throughout this whole, whole issue. So I did a lot of zoom workouts, you know, just like we're doing right now on zoom. It was basically this, and it was tough with people who didn't have any weights. And you realize that you can do a lot more workouts with just body weight Mm -hmm. than you think. So on top of, you know, just doing squats, pushups, you know, a little bit more endurance and cardio type stuff, you know, running place, jumping jacks, basic stuff. I started doing a lot more mobility with myself and clients. 
And I've noticed a huge difference in that in not only my client's performance, but myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely incorporating that a lot more into it. We, I was, I don't want to say I was mobile during my college years, but definitely more flexible then because we focused on it for rowing. But then the past four years, it kind of, you know, I don't need it anymore. And I started focusing more on that. And that's been a big help. Um, I went outside a few times with some clients down to the track. Simple stuff over that. You can beat them up for an hour and mm. still get results. And, you know, they feel better. And it's just getting outside and not being cooped up. And then some gyms started opening up in June and that's been a big help, but still staying remote, staying safe. And then my gym opened back up in September, and I just started work two weeks ago. Okay. All right. So it's still a new transition for me. Yeah, so are, are you a bunch of your clients back, or are they kind of like waiting a little bit? or? Um, a lot of them are waiting just because where I am in New Jersey, it, it was badly hit. Yeah. So there are still rising cases right now, and a lot of them are thinking the gym's not the place to be right now. Mm -hmm. It's not essential for me. My client's saying that. It's pretty essential for me, you know. Um, so a lot of them are still waiting to go back, hopefully in the next few months. But uh, I do have to give my gym credit. We are doing a very good job of cleaning. It's wiping things down before and after a client uses them. Uh, you know, we, we take a few hours throughout the day just to deep clean everything. And I'll say most members are pretty good as well with cleaning stuff off. Yeah. So, so far, so good. Yeah. I just think it's amazing <laughs> when, like, some people, when I go to the gym, like, people just walk away from the bar and don't even clean it. You're like, dude, come on. Like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't care if you have COVID or not. It's just the purpose of just the whole thing. So, yeah, it, it's the thought process behind it. Same thing, you know we have to wear a mask while working out here mm -hmm. and as much as it sucks i'd rather my gym stay open and wear the mask than my gym shut down again yeah so you know what i'm working in it for about you know five six hours a day and i can wear it for six hours you can wear it for an hour mm -hmm. you know, it's, take a longer sip of water and catch your breath just don't take it off any longer than that please so yeah it is tough but i do want the gym to stay open <laughs> yeah no i i hear you like it's crazy because my gym opened up i believe in the beginning of august i think or mid-august and like we like the the clients like don't have to wear masks it's just the the employees that they wear masks so you know and then you have you'll have a couple people like that are working out like wearing masks which is perfectly fine for them you know it's just like it, it's i mean i mean knock on wood again i just we haven't had any issues or any like covid outbreaks so down yeah in Georgia. I, I don't think there's i don't think there's been any at my gym and i did wait a little bit especially having autoimmune disease we don't know how it's gonna really affect us yeah as good of shape as we are in i said you know what i'm gonna give it a little over a month and if there's no outbreaks i'll go back so you know kind of played it safe and thankfully there have been no outbreaks and get our temperature checked at the door and yeah, all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, are you still doing the Zoom classes with your clients at all, or what's what's that like? Um, a, a few who don't want, who aren't comfortable going back yet. Um, still keeping the kind of the same routine from summer and still mm -hmm. working a lot of mobility, especially a lot of the people who are on Zoom are 
also have the little older category who just need to move and just do a lot more, you know, hip mobility and mm-hmm. upper back because they've been sitting at desk for way too long and their bodies are just beat up. So something like that is actually, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. And I've had some clients come to my gym and say, you know what, I still want to do at least one mobility session a week. Normally they'd be doing, you know, twice a week, split, and then they add a third day of just mobility on top. And I love seeing something like that just because I know that then they take their well-being that much more serious. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to purposely do mobility, you care about how you're moving and how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in your mind, what do you think makes a personal trainer a great personal trainer? Ooh, uh, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but I think if you're not friendly and if you're not fun to be with, mm-hmm. then it's tough to be with you for an hour. I think I actually said that in my initial interview. I said anyone can be a trainer, but to be personal and to be personable with a client and to actually create that rapport and create a relationship between the two of you makes it that much better. Mm -hmm. So having good communication skills, being helpful, obviously, you know, making sure they're doing the right thing, making sure they're progressing and just having fun. I think that's the biggest thing that I focus on. It's just fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I have have my clients cursing me out and they're like, I'll see you. I'll see you in two days. So it's, I know you're cursing me up, but it's for a good reason, and you're still going to come back. It's not them actually yelling at me. <laughs> so it's something that I really focus on is just having fun. Yeah. Because what other profession do we get to wear sweatpants and T-shirts all day and work out and do what we love? Yeah, shit, I was wearing shorts all day, middle of winter. I didn't even care. I was like, whatever. <laughs> because, uh, and I was like, went to back, went to back working in the office, and I'm like, oh, God, I, was, I wish I had shorts right now. But yeah. Uh, yeah, working at a marketing agency for seven months in jeans, a button down. Was, this is so uncomfortable. Yeah. And now it's joggers and a t-shirt, shorts and a t-shirt. Yep. Yeah. So you, so at your gym, they have an hour, hour sessions or do they just do, or are they half hour go, and they just add it to add it into an hour? Um, we offer a variety. Actually, we bumped ours down to 50 minutes we do offer 30 minutes but we bumped it down to from 60 minutes to 50 minutes to allow for 10 minutes of extra cleaning at Mm -hmm. the end of our session Mm -hmm. but normally it would be 30 or 60 minutes okay right now 50 just so we can clean a little bit more which is good precautions yeah so do you do you have like a set schedule for each client client for the day like do you write a program out for the day or is it kind of like all right I know for today we have to work on like, you know, his shoulders. So like we'll do a shoulder workout or like what, what it's your typical like day operations with like each, each client. Um, depending on the client and also depending on how many times they're seeing me and their needs. So working in a big corporate gym, I train anyone from eight years old to late sixties and it's okay. Well, I'm training an eight year old. What do I do with an eight year old? What I do with the eight-year-old is not what I'm going to do for the 65-year-old. So really just planning out the day of, okay, this person needs you know, more mobility in their upper back because they sit at a desk. Yep. 
or I know this person is skiing all winter. They really want to work their leg strength so they can ski for eight hours in a row. So just knowing my clients and a lot of my clients I have been working with for two or three years. Mm-hmm. So by this point, I'm pretty you know, keen on what they need, which is good. And then new people coming in, it's just a matter of, okay, well, what do you want to get out of it? Yeah. And what do you want from me? Yeah. So and then just asking questions, asking questions along the line of, okay, do you sit at a desk? Do you stand? What do you do for a living? What hurts? Mm. And then working off of that. Very cool. So what's your initial like assessment with uh, each client that you have? So because of my, my gym's, I guess, protocol, we have a sit down. So the first session is essentially a discovery. So the first question I always ask the person is, tell me about yourself. And they usually laugh and they're very confused about it. And from I ask that because usually the first thing that they tell me is the most important thing to them. So if I say, you know, tell me about yourself and they say, I have six kids. Okay, you're going to be probably tired and your back hurts from <laughs> your kids all day. Yeah. Or if tell me about yourself, it's I sit at a computer all day. Okay, so your posture is probably horrible and we really need to work on your thoracic spine. Mm-hmm. So we do that. I go over basic questions, you know, anywhere from nutrition, what they eat, how much water they drink, any injuries, health conditions. Then I go through a mobility screening, uh, you know, squat, a lunge, push up, plank, a step, usually some sort of row, just seeing how their body moves, if there's anything I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I'll set up a follow up session that it's the actual workout and show a lot of good things of, okay, this is the the benefit you're going to get from working with me. It's, I took the time I took, you know, I don't want to sound, you know, cocky, but it's, I took two hours of my time to work with you essentially for free Mm -hmm. to give you a benefit, but it's to show them the benefit of exercising Mm -hmm. because I know what you can get out of it and how it will benefit you. And most people appreciate that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. I was the same way too. So, um, so do you do you also do like group class? You say you also do group classes, right? Um, I sometimes do. I'll, you know, at one point I was training the swim team mm-hmm. for my gym. It was a bunch of 12, 13, 14 year olds. So it was by a group of about eight to ten of them. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Um, I've trained some groups, not so much anymore, because I've been there for a little bit longer. I can kind of fine tune my clientele and say, I want to work with a specific group. Yeah. Which, which is nice being able to actually say, no, I only want to work with this group and turn away some groups, but not so much groups anymore. I I really, as much as I like groups, finding the one-on-one or even partner training to where you can give them your full attention and full cues because as you probably know, working with eight kids, it's very difficult to keep your eyes on mm-hmm. all eight kids. Oh yeah. I'd rather I'd rather make sure, you know, a one on one or two with me that I can see what they're doing at a time and make sure that I can give them the proper cues, especially if they are younger, making sure that they're staying healthy mm-hmm. and getting a benefit from my programs. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, have you done like online programming at all for people or are you looking into doing that or, uh, I haven't 
really done online programming, just friends asking me, hey, what's a good workout or what should I do? And I just send them something that I've done in the past. I usually write down most of my workouts. I say, yeah, just do this. You know, it, it destroyed my back for two days afterwards. Yeah. Um, but online programming is something that would definitely be in my interest. I'm always looking to expand. I don't want to stay stagnant at my job and just saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to stay at a personal trainer. It's what can I do with my skill set and my knowledge mm-hmm. to help advance myself and other people? Yeah. Yeah, it's you know it's always in the works. Yeah. So, um, do you like read anything or like listen to other podcasts about fitness or, you know, like what 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 do you do just to keep like, in the know of like you know all the new things that come out for in, uh, exercising. Um, I, I'd be lying if I said I read a lot. I really don't, and that's something that I've been focusing on and want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I had been looking through though is Supple Leopard. So all mm. mobility, which is yep, I have that book. It's a good one. Amazing! It's right on my backside counter, right there. <laughs> um, so some like stuff like that I read. Um, I think you know I'm, I'm part way through. Uh, what's it? Twenty five hours a day by Nick Bear. Okay. Um, you know, crazy endurance athlete and you know all around cool dude. So something like that I'm reading. But it, yeah, I haven't really been you know on top of reading more. You know, a few Instagram people here and there and just kind of broadening my horizon of, oh, this guy's doing more mobility. Let's see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, he follows this guy or shared this guy. Let me take a look into him. Yeah. So really no formal reading. Yeah. It's one, well, of, I, it's one of my downsides. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Like I used to, I love reading, but it's just, it's so hard just to, for me, because I'm so busy that like, it's so hard for me to even sit down and read. So that's why that's why I like listen to podcasts or do like watch a quick YouTube video or something like that just to kind of see what like other people are doing or other tricks like you know because I always pick like I always learn one little thing that I didn't know before on a YouTube video. So yeah, I listen to a few podcasts. I would use, I would listen to it on listen to it on my commute to work. Yeah, but because I didn't go to work for seven months. I really cut back on the podcast listening, but since I've started again, I've uh, picked up back to it's uh, Marcus Philly. Yep. Who's a former CrossFit athlete. Yep. And same thing. I kind of like his style of working out where it's functional bodybuilding mm-hmm. to where you still incorporate power cleans and snatches along with bicep curls. So I listen to his podcast a lot and you know, his stuff's super helpful. Yeah, and he is different spin. He is yoked. Absolutely oh, yoked. Oh my god. Oh, Insane. I hope, huh? get a, <laughs> I hope he doesn't get a paper cut because he might bleed out. I know, no kidding. I'm like, God, like I'm just I'm like I go to my wife, I'm like, babe, I wanna look like this and she's like, Yeah, right. There's no way. I mean what my you girl- <laughs> what you eat, there's no way you're gonna make look like that. So no, my my girlfriend says the same thing. I said, "What would I do if I looked like this?" She goes, "Yeah, no." She goes, "That's it's a little little too much." I'm like, are you sure? But I mean, the guy's super strict with everything he does, and you know, you have to admire it. That's yeah. that's a lot of consistency and just it, being good at what you do. Yeah, some of the stuff I'm like, "Where the hell did you find? Like, where the hell did you think of this?" Like, he had like a. Like he used like a regular like climbing rope and put a kettlebell in it instead of using like making a into like a bicep curl off of it. I was like, 
what, 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 like, where did you think of this? Like, it's just the most random stuff, and I'm like, yeah. God, it's yeah, so you, useful. I, I think when you're, when you're stuck with limited equipment, you realize that you can do a lot more with a lot less. Mm-hmm. And he probably figured that out for himself, and it worked. Yeah. So, so with you, with the whole COVID thing, did you have anything in your house at all, or what, what was your fitness no. like? Um, I bought a weighted vest off of Rogue. I think like one of the last few it seemed. So I bought that. Uh, my girlfriend's dad does have a lot of stuff in his basement. He has dumbbells up to fifties. He's got a treadmill. They bought a TRX. They set up some stuff. So we would go there maybe two or three times a week. Uh, other than that, I got really bad with working out. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to say I lost motivation, but it was tough to wake up and not say, Oh, I'm going to the gym today and looking forward to it. It's now I'm staying in my living room and I'm going to do what again. And it, it got tough. Yeah. Um, we go on walks, you know, I went, I'm not a big cardio person, but I went on a few runs. Like, let's try this whole running thing again. And, you know, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Not so much anymore. It's too cold here now. Um, I did a few David Goggins workouts. Okay. He did some he did some Instagram live ones. Those were insane. That guy is also another animal. Uh, so I did a few of those. And then I'm fortunate that my gym in my apartment opened up in June. So it's, you know, 100 feet down the hall. So I was able to go there since the end of June. So it was only a matter of, what, like three months we had no gym. Yeah. But it, it was pretty brutal. Yeah. I was like, wow, I've lost my legs. I was like, I'm afraid to squat again because I think I might collapse under 135. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that was a lot of people. I mean, I, I was grateful that I've been stocking up for like years since I've been down here. Like I yeah. have a whole gym in my basement, but the only problem is like now is I have to work out early in the morning and I can't drop weights in my basement while everyone's like sleeping. So that's why I have to go to the gym and work out yeah. so it's like my bar is getting rusty i need to clean that but like i have all the weights and stuff but like when COVID hit i was like oh, i really didn't miss a step just i follow the program i got a pull-up bar rings i got a pants stamp. i got dude i like i'll show you after this like i have everything and it was like just <laughs> stockpiling just from just from like everyone wanted to get rid of their stuff and it was just like all right you I'll, had, ta- like, the, I'll take it you had the new mecca mecca in georgia now it's you know, yeah hey I got a gym in my basement. Who wants to come through? Yeah, I'm like, no, I, I was like, listen, if you guys want to work out, you can come to my basement. My wife's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, well, why not? I'm like, they could have COVID. I'm like, okay, right. maybe we'll see. I'll just check. I'll just check the temperature or something. <laughs> hey, are you coughing? No. Okay, you can calm down. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, we took a. Okay. No, no, continue. Oh no, I was just saying like I usually bring my five year old son down here to work out too, so we'll do like a next station deal. So like oh, we'll do a, I'll do a minute of work and he'll just like do a minute of work and then he'll go on the rower for a little bit and get on the elliptical or like do something. <laughs> so yeah, I'll make fun of it. make fun of that then. Yeah, we took a a road trip up to my girlfriend's family friend's house up in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and he has basically an Olympic training facility on his property. And we were there for, I think, two days or three days. And I just said, can I spend all day here? It had, you know, everything. And then so I'm mean, not seeing a gym for two months. I was in heaven. Yeah. I was like, you can just leave me here and pick me up when you want to leave. Because I mean, I'll still be lifting, probably. Yeah, crap. You, I, I figured you'd be there for like a couple weeks. 
Oh, I, I was like, if this wasn't a three-hour drive, I'd be up here every single day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so uh, what are your so what are your plans for like for the rest of the week with personal training? Like, what do you have any goals that you want to like achieve before like the year is over? Or definitely just help more people. Yeah. The, the one thing I did say that you know the thought process behind covid was looking at it who's it affecting and it's you know i hate to say it but the out of shape people yeah and i'm hoping that more people will take fitness more seriously Mm -hmm. so really just wanting to get people in the door and saying no you need to work on your health because you are the most important person you know take care of yourself you only get one body so take care of it yeah so i I really just want to you know emphasize that to more people Mm -hmm. and thankfully my gym is getting busier not like it was but it's getting busier so it's it's just ramping up my business there and helping more people and finding a new clientele because it's still pretty slow there (laughs) well yeah i mean i kind of figured yeah even my gym that i used to work at they're like i think they're at 60 percent of oh, yeah, like, we're at 25. We're at 25. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, God bless you, man. God bless you. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So um, we're getting close to the end. So um, obviously, I know you talked about like you don't really read that much, but do you have like a favorite book that you like to read at all or like a or fitness book, fiction book or whatever? Uh, I think my I, I read it this year was actually David Goggins' You Can't Hurt Me. Okay. And just, just reading his background and how he used fitness to go from 300 pounds to a Navy SEAL to going to Ranger School to going to Delta to running ultra marathons with no training and just kind of being a psycho. And, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, so that was definitely one book that I couldn't put down. And I read it, I'd say, in a week, mm-hmm. which doesn't, you know, if you're into a book, you're like, wow, it took you a week. To, a week to read that it should have taken you two days but no, that's, pretty, said, quick. that's pretty quick reader. that's pretty quick that's quick yeah so david goggins you can't hurt me it was a really good book i also heard that his audiobook of it has him narrating it and in between chapters he talks more and you get a little bit more insight on him so you know that's about the only book i've read in the past seven months so that's, <laughs> i'll go with that one <laughs> yeah no i i hear you like i yeah it's been it's been pretty tough for me to even like like I said before, read a chapter or anything like that. So, um, and then also, um, what would you tell a new personal trainer what to expect in the future of becoming a personal trainer? Uh, for right now, it, it's going to be slow, but be patient because you will be you will get busy, and people do want to listen to you because you are a fitness professional. And you have the knowledge to help people and just be available, you know, be patient and be available. Whether it's, if you're working at a gym, just walking around, introducing yourself. If you need help with anything, any questions, you know, feel free to ask that, you know, you, you gain some good relationships. Even if the person doesn't train with you, you know, your name will always be in their head. 
And if one of their friends says, oh, you know, I really want a trainer and said, oh, you know, I know this great trainer at this gym. He's really nice and really helpful. Here's his name and number. You gain connections from that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just just being there and being friendly. Yeah. So do you have any other certifications you're looking to get to at all or? Um, currently not anything in the near future. Mm -hmm. Uh, something that I am looking forward to actually is Eldoa. I don't know if you've never, ever heard of that. Basically it's a French acronym for fascial lengthening and stretching. So it, it works with mobility. Oh, wait, I know. Uh, I think I've, I think I've heard of this. One of the it, trainers at the gym actually got her level one and level two cert for that, I think. Yeah, it is mind-blowing. And it's super expensive. Well, that too, but it's also just really helpful. So working with a lot of my clientele and people at my gym, it is not, I won't say it's a sports performance, but, you know, you work with a lot of people who just need strengthening of their fascia. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, how are we going to do that? Okay, we're going to put you in these really awkward lengthening positions to stretch you, it's going to hurt, but you're going to feel good after it. Yeah. So that's something that I was looking forward to. Um, there was one certification in New York City, but with everything, they canceled it. So probably something like that pretty soon. But I've been working for my uh, 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 performance enhancement specialist. So that's slowly on there. Same thing with, you know, uh, NASM and CES, correctional exercise specialist. Few along the lines there but slowly taking it over time. <laughs> All right, very cool. So, but I was looking to improve. Yeah, no, I, 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 I listen, that's what I like about like some tra the trainers. They always want to learn something new. Like, they never want to stop learning. Like, I always want to learn about the – I always geek out on stuff, like, all the time. I just – I don't care. I'd rather, like, learn everything instead of just being like, I only know this. Yeah. So. And, and that's why I am fortunate to work at the gym I do. We have a staff of – 30 trainers and it's 30 people who do something completely different. Yeah. And so if you're one day, you're like, you know what? I want to box. I know someone who's a phenomenal boxer and a third degree black belt. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go work with him that day. Or uh, I really want, I want a deadlift. I need some motivation on deadlifting. Let me go. Let me go work out with this guy. And you know, you're always there learning something new and then always there helping. Yeah. So that's a cool thing about, having a big staff it's you're always learning from them as well mm -hmm. very cool so last question so where can people reach out to you um, if they have any questions or they just want to ask you about any diabetes questions so the best place to reach out to me is my instagram it is at dk underscore t1d and you know feel free to follow me shoot me a dm anything i'm, I'm more than willing to help Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much. I know I know this was like last minute, but thank you for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Tom, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm always willing to help out. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll catch you later. All right. Thanks.